You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Madeline Robbins is the author of Point of Honor and Petty Treason. Thank you for joining me, Madeline. It's a pleasure. Madeline, the piece you read today was was really interesting. I, I, I love this idea of a hard-boiled uh, uh, detective story set in, in uh, a slightly altered Regency London. Uh, tell me, what where did you pull that from? Um, it started out, I was working in uh, a publishing house, and I was working very hard one day, and somebody said, oh my god, you've got to come down to my office. And I did, and two of the editors had been sort of goofing around, and one of them said, we've come up with this idea, and you have to write it. It's a hard-boiled detective uh, story uh, set in the English Regency. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a uh, young man of good fortune must be packing a piece. And I said, <laughs> okay, fine. And this, but this unfortunately, or fortunately, was one of those ideas that kept sort of milling around in my brain. And so years later, the first line of point of honor is, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a fallen woman of good family must soon or late descend to whoredom. Um, and then the, the whole book is essentially Sarah Tolerance, Nebrert, and trying to prove that this is not necessarily so. Um, and part of it is simply a response to, I loved, I loved Jane Austen, and I loved Regency romances when I was a kid, but you get the upper class view, and I really, the more I read about the Regency, which is the most fabulous era for everything. It's everything is going on, politics and science and literature and religion and the Industrial Revolution, and it's all just happening around this ter- period of time. Uh, it seems like such a jip if you only get the tea parties, and so I started playing around with this, and I love this era. I love the language. I love the manners. I love how nasty you can be while sounding incredibly polite. And it also gave me a chance to sort of uh, unleash my inner swordswoman, which Mm. I think many of us want to do. Now, uh, one of the things that a a hard-boiled detective uh, story offers is this ability for the detective to go from the bottom, the dregs of society, all the way up to the upper classes. And uh, so could you talk about uh, doing that in in Regency London? It must be fun. Well, part of the thing about having this character, she is a young woman who ran away with her brother's fencing teacher when she was 16. And they never married because he was Catholic and she was Church of England and they could not, of all the weird, it seems very weird to us, it was an insuperable barrier for them. They just could not figure out how to marry. Uh, And they lived on the continent and he died ingloriously of a flu and she came back to England and rather than becoming a prostitute or someone else's mistress or whatever, she sets herself, she goes to her aunt's brothel, her aunt is the fallen woman of her generation, and does not want to become a a prostitute, which her aunt just doesn't get because it's done great things for her. And she lives in the back cottage, and she uh, hires herself out as an agent of inquiry. And her advantage is that she has the upbringing of a young woman of good family. She can go as high as she needs to go in terms of manners 
and knowing what the protocol is, but she also can fight with a sword. She can do all sorts of stuff. She's a quick thinker, um, and so she can mess around in the, the most sordid mean streets. Um, and because I've got her living behind her aunt's brothel, I can sort of network her that way, and it's just really fun. It's also my favorite moment in the film version of Sense and Sensibility, the um, Emma Thompson one, is as the ladies descend from a carriage in London, and Mrs. Jennings said offhandedly, watch your feet, ladies, the horses have been here, because there's just not enough horseshit in most Regency-era things. Jane Austen can be pardoned for ignoring it, because we don't talk about bathrooms very much, but so much of the historical stuff that's out there makes it all sound like now, but with prettier clothes, and that irks me. Now, uh, she's uh, ran off with a fencing teacher and is good with a sword. I'm wondering, are you good with a sword? Not so much anymore. <laughs> I was for about five years a, um, I, I studied stage combat, and I was briefly certified by the Society of American Fight Directors in rapier, rapier and dagger, broadsword, quarterstaff, and hand-to-hand -hand combat, which means I can't actually do any of those things, but I can look really scary doing it. Um, and I, I worked at Renaissance festivals. I was part of a troupe that did Shakespeare uh, scenes with uh, combat for high schools and things like that. And the thing that's funny is that I, when we moved out to California, I started taking real fencing, standard fencing, and I'm a terrible fencer. I have no aggressive instincts because the way I was initially to, uh, trained is in stage combat, you don't make contact with the other guy. You will kill yourself rather than make contact with the other guy. So when I was taking fencing lessons here, my teacher would be yelling, hit, hit him, he's wide open, hit him. And <laughs> I just kept going, but no, mustn't do that. So I have, I can choreograph a fight scene so that anytime she gets into a sword fight or some sort of fight, I have, uh, I, I can actually write it out beforehand in notation so that I know what the logistics of it are, which is really useful because then I kind of can write through it without having to stop and figure out what goes where. Now, hard-boiled detective novels are generally set in the 20th century, in the mean streets. Yeah. Uh, could you talk about translating that uh, oeuvre to, to your location? I mean, who are your favorite hard-boiled novelists? Oh, um, Dashiell Hammett. Mm. Um, James Elroy, though he gets a little over the top. I mean, the thing to me about um, Point of Honor in certain ways is essentially I lifted from the Maltese Falcon. She goes after a thingy, a MacGuffin, and I knew all the way through that certain things were going to happen, and some readers get to the points where these things happen and go, well, that wasn't what I was expecting. Well, if you've seen or read the Maltese Falcon, you know it's inevitable. The whole thing about, beyond sort of the, the mean streets of whatever city or whatever time, it seems to me mm -hmm. that the whole thing about hard-boiled stories is that they are about a person of flexible morals or flexible honor who is still the most honorable person around. Um, 
when Sam Spade turns in um, the babe whose name escapes me at the end of uh, the Maltese Falcon, he says he loves her and he'll wait for her if they don't hang her, but she killed his partner and even if you didn't like your partner very much, you gotta do something about that. Mm -hmm. And I think Miss Tolerance has a lot of the same kinds of twitches about honor and what is the thing that she should be. She, I mean, there are some things about which she's remarkably flexible um, in terms of what she will stick at or not. And there are other things where it's just, no, you don't do that, or not on my watch. Now, um, when you're plotting these things, you're using, uh, you're going to have to go back, reach back into history. Uh, could you talk about researching this and, and, you know, trying to take these kind of plots that we're thinking of, you know, mean streets of a 20th century city. How do you find the mysteries in Regency England? Well, there's huge amounts of stuff going on. Um, the first one is about politics at its heart. There's... Um, the alternative of the books is that I say that George III, who had Porphyria and bouts of madness, the first one was in 1788, I believe, and he recovered and was mostly lucid for a number of years until the later years of the you know, 1805 to 1810. He started really declining, and they started talking about having a regency. But in the earlier time, if you've ever seen The Madness of King George, there was, there was a good deal of talk about instituting a regency in 1888, 1788, excuse me, because George III had lost it. And he was conservative. His son at that time was fairly liberal, and there was a great you know, gnashing of teeth among the conservatives that this liberal prince was going to come in and there was going to go the neighborhood. And so the alternative in my thing is the Prince of Wales also had a marriage to a Roman Catholic, which was not allowed by law. So the alternative in this is that his secret marriage is discovered, which drives dad completely around the bend. The prince is knocked out of the succession, and the queen becomes regent for various reasons. So the queen has been regent in England since 1788, and at the beginning of Point of Honor, she's had a stroke, and they're beginning to think that there's going to have to be another regency. And there's all sorts of things spinning out from around this. So it becomes a matter of if the prince becomes regent, and when the prince did become regent, there was a good deal of jockeying around whether the whether he would bring his liberal friends into uh, politics or he would continue his father's government. And by that time, he was sort of like the current Prince of Wales. He was an older guy. He was in his late 50s or early 60s, and he was not as interested in being all innovative and uh, liberal, and he just kept things the way things were, and that was that. Was that. So the idea that I had was around this whole froth of anxiety in the two parties at the time mm -hmm. when the queen is in decline and they're going to uh, have a regency and what the change in government is. And so that was sort of the background. And I've just, I have, I started out writing Regency romances when I was a very, very small human. I published my first one when I was 22. And I wrote five and got bored with them because I knew exactly where they were going. And it would always end with a clinch and everybody would live happily ever after. 
but even after I stopped writing the romances, I loved this era, so I've always mm -hmm. read about it. And so I would find specific things um, to, to research and find out about. Now, when you're uh, writing this kind of alternate history slash mystery, this is a, this is a really complicated uh, little, little uh, corner you've tied yourself into. Do you, it, it seems like on one hand you could go anywhere with it for a long time, or you might just like paint yourself into a, a complete corner. Where, how do you feel about it now? I'm, I, well, there are reasons why the series is currently stalled, but it has nothing to do with me. Uh, I have a vague idea of where Miss Tolerance is going. Mm -hmm. Where I will find plots and things to put her in is another thing. I mean, one of the things about hard-boiled, you know, noir, Regency noir or any kind of noir, is that there's usually some sort of governmental or, you know, the man thing if it's... Mm -hmm. Who killed Roger Rabbit and it's the transportation, if it's uh, Chinatown and it's water, if it's point of honor and it's, it's control of the government, there's always some sort of larger um, kind of importance. Uh, I mean, not Maltese Falcon, which is it's just a, a big, supposedly gold-studded bird, but there are lots of things, and I can always, you know, just have something that's about people. Um, I'm interested in so much about this era. It's the Napoleonic Wars. The second book has to, Poetic Treason, has to do with a possible spy ring. And the book that I have three quarters of, which I did not read from tonight, that's the fourth book, which I only got a little bit of, um, has to do with Several years earlier, there was a uh, an invasion or an attempted invasion of Walcheren, which is one of the uh, islands off the Netherlands, uh, by the British fleet, which was foiled not by Napoleon, but by malaria. And an insufficiency of planning and an insufficiency of quinine. And so I'm hoping to work that in, um, just because it's, it's cool. This is the, the neat thing about history, is it's cool. I've been speaking with Madeline Robbins. Her newest book is? Um, I have a story in an anthology called Lace and Blade 2. The most recent Sarah Tolerance book is Petty Treason. Thank you for joining me, Madeline. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.